0: we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop. And in its place are the seeds of a better way to rapid release. A way that feels incredible as we build a sustainable, lifelong author career that not only increases our visibility and royalties, but it's all done with intention and ease. If you're ready to buck the system and become the visionary authorpreneur I know you're meant to be, you've come to the right place. I'm Carissa Andrews, international best-selling indie author, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Welcome back to the Author Revolution Podcast, my authorly friend. I hope you had a chance to implement some of the tips from last week that could help you increase your royalties this month. I know I certainly did. (laughs) I've signed up for a couple of new promos in March, and I have a couple of new ads started to see how they turn out. It should be fun to kind of watch them grow and see what happens. Now, speaking of ads, this week I have an ads guru on the show, but she is so much more than that. Mal Cooper is actually a force to reckon with. Not only is she a powerhouse of a writer with close to 200 books written between her and her wife, Jill, but she's a master at Facebook ads, a cover designer, and a powerful voice for authenticity for authors. As a trans woman, Mel has had to face some really deep parts of herself in order to come out on top as the incredible woman we all know and love. So if you haven't yet had the wonderful introduction to Mel, you are in for a treat. She's an amazing human being, and I am so glad that she found the time to stop by the Author Revolution podcast. So without further ado, let's get to our interview. Well, Mal, thank you so much for joining me today on the Author Revolution podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I I mean, super, super excited. (laughs) And in my intro, I talked a little bit about how you kind of came into my orbit and why, of course, I wanted you to come onto the podcast. But Mm -hmm. for those who are listening who maybe haven't met you yet, do you want to explain who you are and why they should be perking their ears and having a listen?
1: Um, Sure. So my name is Mallory Cooper. I'm um, a science fiction author. I have about 110, 115 books published. And I also um, teach authors about marketing and how to do Facebook ads and stuff like that because mastering Facebook ads is what caused me to become a full-time author. Uh, once, we, once Jill and I, my wife, got good at that, we were able to, well, basically four or five months after mastering Facebook ads, we were able to go full-time. So it's, it's a, it was a life-changing thing.
0: That is amazing. So I'm going to have to ask you some questions about Facebook ads as we go on, but um, you do so many different things. So I'm going to warn everybody, including you, that I'll probably be (laughs) bouncing around a bit because I want them to get the full scope of what it is that you actually do. Because it's, I mean, like you just said, you talk, you do, you have a bazillion books. (laughs) You're Mm -hmm. fantastic at that. You teach and uh, do marketing stuff. You help with even the authenticity of authors and how to be able to leverage their platforms. So we're going to be covering a few things here today. Yeah.
1: There's, a, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> there's a lot. So, um, one of the things that was really kind of cool is I was watching your talk on InkersCon about Facebook ads and everything. And mm-hmm. I do have your Help My Facebook Ads Suck book. I love it so much. Cool. <laughs> and I also have your launch plan book. That one I'm, I haven't started yet, but I want to get to it soon. And so, my curiosity is like, what was it literally the Facebook ads and seeing them transform your career that made you want to teach, or were you teaching before then?
1: Um, like I've worked in the software industry for about 20 years now, and I've actually did a lot of conferences in there, like teaching people and doing like tutorial videos and stuff like that. So it's kind of always been in my DNA to teach. Um, I, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a history professor, but everybody in my life convinced me not to, if I wanted to actually like, you know, have money. Kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure they were right. Cause they also told me that I couldn't make money being an author either. Mm-hmm. So, you I'll know, like. But luckily, I was really good with computers, so I was able to make a career out of that for, for quite a while, and I, I enjoyed it. But when I started writing, I went full-time in January of 2017, and towards like the end of spring that year, I was in the 20 books to 50K group, and people were lamenting the fact that Facebook ads don't work. And some people were saying, you can't advertise with Facebook ads. They don't work. And I'm like, I'm making like $40,000 a month right now, and the only <laughs> marketing I do is Facebook ads. so. I wrote like just um, a series of posts, just four posts about Facebook ads and the things that you should do and the basic steps and whatnot. And then people said like, could you like turn this into a PDF or something like that? So it'd be a little easier to parse. So I turned into like a PDF. I wrote it all out, you know, made it so that it was edited better because Facebook posts are like, you know, kind of a disaster <laughs> yes. and I made a PDF. And then people were like, like, I would pay you for this is what the people started saying. Like, this is amazing. So I'm like, well, cool. I'll turn it into a book and you can happily pay me for it. Right. And, um, and then the first 20 books, 50 K conference in Vegas happened that fall and Craig invited me to come and speak on Facebook ads. And I did. And that sort of started this snowball effect of people wanting me to come to their conferences and talk about ads and stuff like that. But, but you know one of the things I start I, I got kind of tired of just talking about Facebook ads all the time. And I'm like, you know, Jill and I do well because we know other parts of this industry as well. Like if you run Facebook ads for a terrible book, you're not, still not going to do great. So I got into like how we figure out covers, how we do our marketing, our branding, how we build universes, productivity stuff. Because like I wrote a hundred books in four years. This so. so yeah, so I'm I'm good at I'm good at getting stuff done. So we talk a lot about that, about how to launch. Also, because writing that many books that fast, we tried all the different launch plans and different practices and whatnot. So we have a lot of real practical experience for everything that we teach. Because between the two of us, Jill and I have over 200 books now. So we've got a lot that we've we've learned.
0: That is incredible. So what is your productivity hack then? How do you get so many books written in four years and keep your sanity about you?
1: Well, I mean, that second part doesn't actually happen, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, so I'm not a fast writer. At my best, I can maybe do 1,000 words an hour. I'm probably more closer to 800 words an hour. So I'm not like those crazy people who can, like, bang out 1,000 words in 20 minutes or anything like that. Right. Um, I, my main thing is just butt in chair, just every day write and treat it like a job. And while I was trying to build my backlist, it was my primary job. All of the admin stuff fell by the wayside. And some people spend a lot of time doing admin stuff and working on their ads and whatnot. And I think that no more than 20% of your time should be spent doing admin stuff. Spend the bulk of your time being creative, writing books and stuff like that. If you're spending more than, say, 20%, 30% of your work on admin time, you're probably doing busy work that's not actually like generating any income for you. So that was a big thing, too, is cutting out all the busy work and looking at stuff and saying this, I, I can't see any result from doing this and I'm just going to stop doing it. Yeah. And that was, that was a, that was a really big time saver. And then I was able to put more time into writing. The other thing that I'm a really strong believer in, at least for me, this is what works for me. Everybody has their own process when it comes to writing and, and what I've, I tried a lot of different ways to write. Like I tried like different strategies and different, different ways of breaking up my time and found the way that worked the best for me. And one of the things that works best for me is putting out, like making my first drafts are really, really good. And I don't even have to go over the whole book a second time. I leave notes about sections I might want to reread and I do that. And then the book goes off to my editor. I don't like labor over the book again and again and again. And I started doing that because I'm like, wow, I'm spending like months on books and these other authors are spending way less time and they're making, they're selling more than me. So I'm like, clearly these things I'm killing myself over, the readers don't care about. Especially so if you're
0: telling a good story with it. You know, if the if the story is great, they can forgive some of those things. I think even Craig's talked about that where they can forgive yeah. some of the weird nuances or, you know, misspellings or whatever, as long as the story is what captures them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still work hard to put out a good book. I have like a fairly extensive proofing process, um, editing and proof proofreading process that I go through. But I mean, every book has errors and you sort of have to accept that. But yeah, so I, and when I was really going full steam ahead, I basically turned writing into almost like a, an assembly line thing, like. I was, covers were being done in advance. Pre-orders were going up. I was writing most of the books about a week or two before they had to come out. Um, my editor. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never yeah, done right? that. Right? Yeah, no one does that. No one does that. My, my editor, I so I write in in Word using Office 365. So my editor and I can both be working in the same Word document at the same time. So she'll be editing the book while I'm still writing it.
0: Oh my goodness. Well. And, <laughs> I love and that. No
1: pressure at all. I, <laughs> right. It's like the, the dog, the hounds of hell are like on my tail the whole time. As writing. like, my editor's catching up. Oh my God. Oh, gosh. And to be honest, like you, you, you might find yourself saying like, well, how do you produce such a good first draft now? If you're, you know, writing like, like, like someone's whipping you. And I think a lot of it's just practice. Like after about book 30 or so, I started getting really good at just writing scenes correctly the first time. Like thinking like, okay, here's the scene is going to have these characters. I'm going to have some action happening. You know, at this point, I need to make sure I describe enough of the setting right away, let the reader know what characters are in the room in, in like a smooth, non-info-dumpy way, and then sort of and then build out the the scene and then have the conflict happen and just do it all right the first time. Cause it's all those, it's a lot of those little things like, oh shoot, I forgot to put this character in, or oh, I want them to like get tossed over a table. Now I go back and like say there's tables in the room. I think of a lot of that stuff ahead of time and I just get it down the way I want the first time.
0: That's awesome. So do you plot in advance then? What is your plotting process? Look? I,
1: like? I don't plot it. Are you a all?
0: pantser, really? <laughs> I'm a pantser, yeah. Awesome. Oh my God. I,
1: um, but I'm a pantser who has like, I, I work really hard on my setting. So I really understand my setting so that when I put my characters in the setting, I don't have to stop and constantly be like, oh, what's this look like? And what's, what, what would they do here? I, I spend a lot of time on my setting ahead of time. And I spend a lot of time with my characters. Like I'll do things where like before I write a book, I'll actually put my, set my characters all down for dinner together. And I'll write a scene where they all have dinner together and like, who's making dinner? Who's like playing cards instead? You know, who's got their feet on the table? Um, <laughs> so basically, who who's,
0: who's the eldest? Who's the mill kid? And who's the baby? Is that what's Yeah, going basically,
1: it's stuff like that. But once, and then sometimes I'll actually have my villain with them too. I'll set the villain down for dinner with them nice. as well. And then, because when you do that, you get to know these little nuances. You're like, oh yeah, this guy would totally make some sort of smart-ass remark there. And you get <laughs> to know the characters really well. And then it becomes so easy just to drop your characters into a setting and say like, I always know what they want. So I'm always like, okay, these, this character wants this. This is their goal. And I just I just know what they'll do then. Sure. And I, just, I just let them go.
0: That's really awesome. And I would think too, by the t- like you said, by the time you hit book 30, you've kind of figured out and hammered out your Typical um, story archetype, and so for you, that's probably pretty easy. Especially since I think I read that all of your books are in the same universe, correct? Yes. So yeah. you've got a lot of overlap and and character development that's happened, uh, you know, across all these books. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not constantly having to rebuild setting and and re- and do new world building, whatnot. Like all my world building is effectively done, and I can. I can leverage so much of that. And also like, with my readers, I don't need to constantly be explaining all sorts of things to them because they know it. they've read, like 70 books of mine. You know? <laughs> right. So, so I can just jump right into the action and just start having fun, which is great too.
0: So how many books did you, ha- when you finally um, hit the, your stride with Facebook ads then, and you were making that great money and were able to go full time, how many books did you have it in your backlist at that point?
1: Do you know? Uh, just, just four.
0: Wow. That is amazing.
1: Yeah. These were different in 2016 than they are now. Granted. That is true. That it, is. It true. was easier to sort of like dominate the charts with not that many books. Now it's a lot harder because so many books are coming out that you you can't rely on going like sticky really isn't even a thing anymore. Right, It's almost right. impossible to be sticky. Back then, you could be sticky with a couple of newsletter shares, good newsletter shares. So it, it certainly was a different game back then.
0: Yeah. And even a couple of promo stacking. I mean, that was when I think 2017, 2018, somewhere in there is when I first hit international bestseller and it was all just a couple of promo stackings. I didn't, I did not spend a whole lot of money on it at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a crazy. Book bub,
1: a book club could lift you for months back then.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And now most
1: almost yeah. will find that their book club tail only lasts about a week or so. So it's, it's definitely a different world now than it was then. For sure. So and by I, and large, yeah. the same tactics are still keeping me going, just really focusing on my advertising. And, and focusing, I guess, not on advertising itself, but on like, what is the goal? The goal is putting my books in front of people, getting their, getting the right eyes on the books and then getting them to read them.
0: Right. That's absolutely true. I know when I was um, watching your Inker's Con presentation, you had so many great, um, like opportunities for advertising that I had never even thought of. And I, I know that, so like if, if they haven't, if people listening, there we go, see if I can speak today, Carissa. If they haven't <laughs> seen any of your presentations, whether it's on 20 Books to 50K or in InkersCon, definitely go check those out <laughs> as well. But you, you have this way about being able to give just some really cool ideas that I think a lot of authors have never really experienced or thought of before. Do you think your creativity and the way that you, you view things in a uh, sci-fi realm help you then to be able to kind of think outside the box with your... I
1: think that could be part of it. I constantly... So I'm, my, my, my background is, um, is in engineering. Like a lot of people, when they think of software, they think of IT. But really, it's, it's, it's in engineering, software engineering, where you're trying to constantly solve problems. So it's all about creative problem solving with technology. So right. coming into like trying to sell books on the internet, it's also creative problem solving with technology. And I've actually, back in the day, I've built advertising platforms before. So I understand how, like when I see certain options and whatnot, I know what the engineers who built it were thinking. So I'm like, okay, I can leverage this because they obviously put this option in and they worded it. Like I speak engineer even, yeah. like they worded it like this because it does this thing, you know, and I can, I can kind of figure that out by, by looking at it. I think that gives me a bit of a leg up over a lot of other people that, that I, I get the intent of what the platform is trying to do, not just what it says on the tin.
0: Gotcha. So do you do you still use Facebook ads primarily or are you, have you branched out? I think I've seen that you've branched out, but um, into like Amazon ads and BookBub ads and all of those things, are you still finding I, the biggest one?
1: Facebook's still our biggest advertising location. I actually don't use BookBub ads. Um, one of the main reasons is I've been in KU up until, well, except for a brief foray going wide, about two years ago, I've been KU and BookBub ads don't work as well for KU readers. The other thing is that BookBub has basically trained a large group of people that books are either free or 99 cents. Right. So unless you're advertising 99 cent books, BookBub does not convert that well. Right. Um, So I don't use as much for that. I find that I can actually find more people who are willing to pay full price for books on Facebook than I can on BookBub. Um, AMS is a must. I feel like Amazon is just pay to play now. You have to run AMS ads. Um, And also I feel like you have to run AMS ads defensively these days because when someone searches for your name, You want your books to be at the top, not two other people's books. Yep. Amazon's also so good with AMS ads now that the books that come up in front of your book look like your books.
0: Right? I've noticed that as well.
1: Yeah. So lots of times I'll be searching for a given author and I'll find myself accidentally clicking on an ad for an entirely different author. I'm like, (laughs) crap. I'm like, if, if I'm doing this, I mean, if AMS ads are effective, then people are actually taking away any given author's traffic by putting ads on that author. And it's kind of unfortunate that Amazon has pitted us all against each other this way, the yeah, way that they're doing, yeah. they're doing ad revenue. But, um, so I run a lot of defensive AMS ads. So that when people search for me, they find me and only me. And also when they go to my product pages, most of the, the, the AMS ads are also my books. Yep. So yeah. to make sure that when people are looking for me, they, they stay with me. And then, and then of course, branching out is something I try to do as well. I'm also doing things, um, I'm starting to do uh, ads on YouTube and I'm doing, I do Pinterest ads and I'm experimenting with, with TikTok. And also now that, now that Facebook has reels, that's a huge opportunity to, to, if you can create vertical video ads, because vertical video ads are the only ads that can show in reels.
0: Right.
1: So everybody who's doing reels on, Inst- uh, on Instagram, which also show on Facebook, you can sort of like get a leg up and get into the, get, get your own, be, be part of a small group of people that are advertising there right now.
0: Right. Do you have tips on how to use that then? Like how to use it as an author?
1: Um, well, one of the big things is whenever you're running a video ad of any sort on Facebook, keep it under 15 seconds long. Um, videos over 15 seconds long are just you wasting your time and money um, yeah, yeah. making longer videos. And the amount of text that's on your video should be no more than your tagline has. Like one sentence, maybe two, if they're really short. Uh, a lot of authors tend to like try and put their entire blurb into a video <laughs> oh, ad. No, no one, Is going to read because, and you have to have the text show up so slow. No one's going to spend a minute and a half to read your 300 word blurb. Like, it's just (laughs) no, you are going to make everybody bored. So stop doing that. Um, You were bored making it. I know you were, you know. (laughs) I love it. Whoever's done this, and I'm guilty of this as well. I've made those those book trailers that we all did back in the day. Right. Um, (laughs) But there's a great site out there called videohive.net. And they have lots of really awesome videos, um, many of them for only ten dollars. And there's one of my favorite pieces of video editing software now is called Movavi M O V A V I. Okay. And they have for forty four dollars, you can get their video editing platform. And it's really easy; it's drag and drop for like putting elements on the screen and everything. And um, you can make a decent video in about ten minutes with that. Nice. nice. that out. There.
0: Are you using that for TikToks as well, then,
1: or are you doing like more? How, how are I you? Haven't... I haven't really gotten fully into TikTok yet. I'm, it's like on my list of things to do. <laughs> and
0: it takes a I while decide. to get like up into the like wanting to get the motivation for that one. I, I have yeah. to agree.
1: <laughs> I also have. Um, I'm, so I'm transgender, um, and whenever I go on TikTok, I the bigots find me really quickly. So i yeah. I've not gone on there too much because of that.
0: That's when you do the whole blocks thing, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> exactly. oh, I don't know why they have to do that, but it, they I, are really good about finding the right audience though like once you get going and mm-hmm. and you've kind of been out there a little yeah. bit then the right people start finding you and you get a- and I
1: think I have to commit the time to like getting it going yeah. But, yeah like right now Facebook YouTube is working so well for me and Facebook and Instagram are working so well I'm like I don't necessarily need to split my focus but I recognize now that TikTok is a like, proven the thing that I should really be getting into and you I mean there's a woman out there, out there there's a woman out there whose account is she's Miss Excel and she she she, she has sells excel courses um oh, I and to her she, her main advertising venue is tiktok so she's making tiktoks about excel formulas she has like, <laughs> like millions of followers ever. i know right <laughs> and in, i read this article i don't remember how old the article was but she said several weeks before that article she had her first six figure day oh my gosh that's incredible selling Excel courses through TikTok videos. I'm like, okay, if she can make money <laughs> on TikTok, clearly I am a fool for not being there. It's right? sort of where I'm that right now. So,
0: oh my gosh, yeah, it's yeah. It, and it's such a fun platform. Once you do get it, like, are you on it just to like play on it and see who's out yeah, there? I watch
1: TikToks a lot. Yeah. I watch, and also if you if you watch like the reels on Instagram and you Facebook, they're just repurposed TikTok videos.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's all I do you right see now. The
1: TikTok logo in the bottom corner, you know, right.
0: So. I don't have time to do that twice. No, it know, right? it yeah, and... does. you're lucky you got this one, guys. <laughs> I am with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm super curious. I'm always curious when I am talking to authors who have hit lists, USA mm-hmm. Today, New York Times. So obviously you and Jill have done so. Can you explain mm-hmm. that process and how that went for you and how, how I don't know, how it worked for you? <laughs> um,
1: so I was, I was in the last box set that got New York Times bestseller before New York Times changed the rules so that indie authors and box sets basically just can't hit the list anymore, Um, which is why like everybody now, when they aim for a list, they just aim for USA Today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hit number seven on New York Times and number nine on USA Today, which is weird that we were higher on NYT than USA Today, but um, it did that back in early 2017, actually. Wow, Um, Wow! And it was tricky too, because it was right when Amazon changed the rules about books um, in KU like like if like it used to be that they really they really weren't too careful if your book was in KU and then someone else also had your book in KU or someone else had your book wide in, an, okay. uh, in a box set like the back that they didn't really care about that and now they're like if your book's in KU only you can have that text in KU you can't put that that book in a box set that someone else is running that's also in KU even like they're very strict now about that yeah. back then they didn't care um, well, they did care, but they hadn't enforced any rule, enforced it at all ever. And we, we we were like about to launch our box set, and suddenly Amazon started bringing the hammer down on everybody. So we oh. had to like, I, I quickly wrote like a new story to put in that box set oh to get it up there. And incredible. then on top of that, one of the authors left an Amazon link in their story, and Apple removed our box set, and we lost all of our Apple sales. Oh no! Um, like like the day it went live. They they canceled our pre-order. So we like had to, we moved heaven and earth to get 500 Apple sales, you know, in that, I think we had like four days to do it. Yeah. And we pulled it off. And so some people are like, when they talk about like your, your, your your NYT tag, they're like, well, you're part of like a multi-author group. Like, no, we worked hard for this. We worked really hard to get our, our Mm -hmm. letters. And anything to that, that I think a lot of people don't, I mean, authors know this, but readers don't, is that all of the trad pub people that get NYT, it's all gamified as well. They, they know where New York times is going that day to, to look at book sales and they just send a bunch of people ahead of time to buy books. Like it's, yeah, it's the, the trad pub people also gamify it. So I don't feel that bad. You know, we
0: absolutely do. I was reading the other day about, um, I can't remember which publisher it was where it was like, they actually pay like the booksellers, you know, I think it was, um, Barnes and Noble or something where it's like, you Know just pretend that this is actually hitting the list. So I want this one to be on number one or whatever, number number two. And they yeah. put them in the bookstore to put it in the placement that it technically didn't have. And it's like, yeah. That is yeah. so rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all,
1: it. all mark Yeah. So I don't feel that bad at all about the fact that, like, you know, it was it was me and 14 other people that hit MIT at the same time. Like,
0: man, I'll tell you, I think that's a good way to go though, in a lot of ways, you know, having cool. all that marketing engine material behind you where everybody's doing that same thing and you're all working towards the same goal, especially if you have a good group of people who are yeah. all trying to do that.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's also tr- harder for a lot of authors because we are so, um, or indie authors, I mean, cause we're so Amazon focused, even if you're wide, the majority of your sales are likely on Amazon. And of course, NYT, well, USA today is the only one you can really hit now. I guess you can hit like Washington post too, or something like that, or, um, but they only, they don't look at Amazon sales. So it's hard to hit these lists because you have to you you your you know your main you know retailer isn't even there. So I you I feel like we're fighting an uphill battle all the time. So whatever advantage people can manage to eke out, I think is valid.
0: So um, we talked really briefly about your Aeon, is that, is that how you pronounce it, Aon.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. the
0: universe and how it has obviously 100 plus books in the universe. And I was just hoping that you could explain like the thought process of having all, all of them interconnected and why that would help other authors who are thinking like, should they do a series? Should they do standalones? Should they have their series connect? Whatever. Like you, you talked about that. I think it was in the 20 books to 50K um, it, it, presentation. Yeah. yeah. So would you um, explain that a little bit?
1: Sure. I mean, so when I first started writing, uh, like I'd read so many big universes in, in the past, like stuff like, like Terry Brooks' Shannara series, where pretty much almost everything Terry Brooks writes is Shannara. So once you kind of know the world, you're like, ooh, I want to like dive into this particular corner of the world. Wow. Um, and of course, Star Wars and Star Trek were big things. Back in the day, if you were fantasy readers, there was Dragonlance, mm-hmm. which I absolutely loved. I read like everything that said Dragonlance on it for years. Um <laughs> And I guess I kind of always had in my mind, oh, and of course there's Tolkien, you know, like I read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and Silmarillion and all sorts of other stuff that his son dug out of drawers and printed. And I I had it in my mind, of course, that the best thing to do was just to make these big worlds. And I always kind of wanted to do it. And then as I started writing, I'm like, well, gee, I don't have to do my world building again if I put things in this world. And the other thing is I can just say to a lot of people, my readers just like, hey, you want to like learn about this, this thing I alluded to, here's a book series about it. Um, and they would, they just gobbled it up. And I think the thing is that there are people out there that I, I heard this great phrase for it. They want to explore every corner of the map. Yeah. So like, if you're like playing like world of Warcraft or something like that, like an RPG and you get this map and you're like, I need to fill in the whole map. I need to figure out everything. There's people out there like that. Like they will, they want to fill in the whole map, uh, do all the side quests. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm making a universe where they can do that. And I have like a main storyline that runs through the universe. And then I have basically stories I've written that are effectively side quests. And you can go off and read those or you can just skip them and just keep reading the main series. And That's that so way it awesome. kind of works well for both kinds of readers.
0: That is really cool. I like the idea of that too. I think for me, I have a bunch of little, like little, littler series. See if I can speak again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all kind of have like this one character that seems to like get her nose into everything. So she seems to go everywhere, even though there are mm-hmm. a different um, series and they're all, you know, have their own arcs and everything like that but i get it and it's it's fun to be able to pull those characters back in for different storylines and different worlds and so i could see why it would be a
1: lot of fun to do and it's it's both a fun thing i think for me also like readers love things like easter eggs they love seeing this character come back and like oh yeah this person is totally going to be amazing in this situation or kick ass or they'll show these bad guys you know or whatever
0: yes readers
1: love that stuff and and it's on top of that it's great for marketing because you don't have to pitch them on a whole new thing. You know, they're, they're eager to just dive in and read the next story you have, it's all about the same characters in the same universe and everything.
0: Absolutely. I, I love that as well. And it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to like put, put someone in there where they're not even sure that they're, they're coming in. And all of a sudden, the readers are like, wait a minute. I know this character.
1: Yeah. Right. It's so <laughs> much fun to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're like, yeah. like, Oh my God. You'll be posting my group. Like, you know, spoiler is showing up in this book, you know, or something like that. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I I love when they get excited about things like that, where you're just like, yes, they finally got it. Or, you know, whatever it's, it's neat to see them get excited because especially if you don't tell them, if you just let them Mm -hmm. kind of uncover it and all of a sudden they're like, Mm -hmm. what the. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It builds buzz and it builds hype and excitement and everything. It's, it's a, it's a great way to do it. And like I said, it's, it's easier too. Your marketing becomes easier. Your world building is easier. So much stuff is just easier.
0: Yeah. And uh, obviously we authors, we need more ease in our lives. We make things hard enough. <laughs> you know we what
1: I mean? Do. We do. Yeah. This job <laughs> is not easy. So yeah. whatever you can do to make it easier. is better.
0: Oh goodness. No doubt. <laughs> now, obviously you have an amazing style and you have an amazing persona about yourself. I did watch your, um, like, like we were saying the 20, actually watch both 20 bucks to 50 K cause you did one on Facebook over there as well. Right. Yep. That, and, um, Oh my gosh, you just have this great way about you, just this authentic, wonderful way about you. And then, so I was hoping you could speak about that a bit about, because you obviously had a whole presentation on it, mm-hmm. like how to be your authentic you and why that matters in, an, in the author's platform.
1: Well, I think one of the things, and I talked about this in my presentation a bit about this idea of, there's always people talk about authenticity and you need to be authentic and whatnot. And we talk about so much that the word kind of loses meaning in a way. And so much of what people think is authentic has really what's called curated perfection. And that's like the Instagram life thing where you're like, you're like, you see these people on Instagram, you're like, no one's life looks like this. No one's house is this clean all the time, you know, kind of thing. Um, and you know, it's fake. So everybody talks about authentic- authenticity, but no one really wants to like share everything. And you probably shouldn't share everything anyway. Like you, you do need to keep some parts of your life um, personal. But I guess, so I, I, I found this one post where someone was talking about that and they said, what we really should be thinking about is honesty. And just being like your real self with other people and being honest about who you are. And I kind of had a leg up on that because, like, I'm I'm transgender and I didn't come out until I was 41. So oh. I, I spent a little bit of time pretending to be a guy, but I was always like super into fashion. And like, my favorite thing to wear is a cat suit. And I saw I was, that. Yeah. <laughs> I I was like, that. I'm actually wearing right, one right now. It's just off the shoulder. So you can't point it out. But, um, but I always loved it. And and but I always had to like hide that part about myself. And hiding parts of yourself is exhausting. Oh. And like and like feel and, and that's all that ties up into shame. You start to feel ashamed of the parts of yourself that you're hiding. And shame is actually a construct um, that doesn't exist. Shame comes from other people. It's mm. never actually about you. Shame only ever originates from other people. Guilt is different. You can feel guilty about things you actually did wrong. And that's something that can come for yourself. But if it comes from other people, it's shame and it's immediately invalid. I, I reject the concept of shame entirely, and once you do that, and once you sort of say that, like, "Hey, the authentic, honest, real version of me is okay, and it's not something to be ashamed of," and if I just put it out there into the world and treat it like it's okay, so will everyone else. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm like up on stage at Twenty Books wearing a rubber dress while I'm doing this presentation. <laughs> you know, and everybody thinks it's awesome. Yeah. Cause I'm not like, I'm not like treating it like it's a shameful thing. So no one else treats it like it's a shameful thing. And I'm able to be my real self and people are attracted to that sort of honesty. Like if you think about like, who would you look up to? Someone who's honest about, about everything or someone who like hides things and lies. Like, obviously we look up to people who are honest yeah. and all of our heroes are like that, you know, and whatnot. So I strive to be that. I strive to be the sort of person that I would look up to. Now, coming out as trans- transgender kind of gives you a bit of a leg up because once you do that, you've done like the hardest thing there is to do. I bet. You know? Yeah. You, you, you put Because to come out, unfortunately, in our society today, to come out as transgender, you have to put everything on the line. You have to be willing to lose every single thing in your life to do it.
0: Oh, I can uh, imagine.
1: You know, I was willing to lose my career. I was willing to lose my marriage. Um, what was I willing to lose my marriage? I knew that it could happen. Like I knew the risk was there. And, and so on and so forth. I, I knew that I could lose my family um, and all that stuff, but I did, I had to do it and I did it anyway. And I, one of the things I learned is that it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yes, you know, like yes. My mar- I, I'm still married. I'm still an author who makes a living writing military science fiction, which is predominantly a male audience over 50 who lives in the Southeastern United States. And I make a living selling books to them as a transgender woman, yeah. um, which is kind of amazing that that all works. So it kind of like, once I did that, I'm like, well, maybe I could just like just be completely who I am, and like, I mean, not to, I mean, I'm kind of weird. Like, I I put on cat suits and post pictures of my ass on Facebook, for, and my parents see it, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> like I have I have very little filter in my life. Um, but it's kind, it's liberating in a way. It's so liberating that, that I can do it. It's so funny too. Like, I post this picture on Instagram the other day, and it was me in this one cat suit. And for whatever reason, I I posted it two side by side images: one from the front and one of my ass. And because it looked so good, it was shiny. It was awesome. And um, this person posted a question asking me about my writing schedule and whatnot. I'm like this is so surreal having this professional <laughs> conversation about writing schedules and sprints with well, my bot <laughs> right above where I'm writing. <laughs> so, but like you know, it's it's once you once you can sort of like operate a, with with your as your real self and whatnot, people just accept it and they're cool with it, and you can sort yeah. of just still exist and. um, there's, um, uh, you might've seen this, um, there's a researcher named Brene Brown and she did a bunch of research on happiness and contentment. And uh, she has a, two TED Talks about it and they're really good. Uh, she might have more now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Look, look them up. Her first one's amazing. So she did a bunch of study and what she found is the people who live, the most vulnerable people are the happiest people. The people who willingly like make themselves vulnerable. They have, they, they, they wear their heart on the sl- their sleeve. And even if they get hurt a lot because of that, they're still happier. They're still more content than everybody else. And, and I, I, I took that to heart. And I was kind of like going through this process myself. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go all the way out there. I'm just going to live in a glass house all the time. And it's been amazing. It's, it's, it. it's just it's my, my life has gotten so much better as a result of that.
0: That's incredible though. It sounds to me like you, you had that process of going, okay, I am no longer open or available for these kinds of energies. So screw that they can go. Yep. So I'm just going to be me and y'all can suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I- the
1: thing that, that happens is like, it, it turns into a positive thing, not a negative thing. Cause everybody's like, wow, I like being, people like being around people who are brave and authentic and honest, you yeah. know, and, and don't hide themselves and don't equivocate and and stuff like that. So you actually end up like increasing the amount of good energy that comes to you as you give out all this good energy too. So it,
0: absolutely, it, it's it, almost it, like a magnet. You it a is, magnet. yeah.
1: It definitely is, yeah. Like, like my my like, I mean, just one measure, like, like my Facebook friend list like exploded. I and, and I go to I go to like events now. Like after that presentation, I did it 20 books. I and mean, then I I maybe this sounds like a bit of a flex and it kind of is because it's
0: okay. Come on. This sort
1: of thing never used to happen to me. But it took me 30 minutes to like get to the bathrooms after that presentation because I couldn't walk more than like two or three steps without someone stopping. I feel me like I need to, to talk to me. I'm like i i probably like oh, I really have to pee everybody. And it takes a while to get out of this dress to do it. So you know.
0: And they're like, oh, okay. Like, please,
1: I just I just need some time. Um but yeah, it was it was really cool. I actually said to a friend the other day, I'm like, Am I have I become one of the popular girls? <laughs> and He's everyone's like, yeah, but you are, I the, don't you are
0: know. the mean
1: Back before I came out, I was, I was I you know, I was weird. And I was Why but is that is, a bad thing? <laughs> it's not, but um, but because I was constantly hiding so much of myself, it, I, I actually didn't put off as good an energy as a result, you know,
0: because oh, sure.
1: I was always having to edit myself and monitor what I was saying and thinking and stuff like that. So, oh, I, couldn't I, so I couldn't let anyone know, I didn't even know I wanted to be a girl, you know, like, that was like unacceptable. So sure, I was, yeah. I was constantly having to like, I spent like, I would literally spend like an hour to a day worried that people were going to figure it out.
0: Really? You know, it was,
1: oh yeah. It, it was the amount of mental energy it consumed was unimaginable. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, that has to, got to be such a relief then to no longer have to be worrying about that and thinking, thinking about it at all.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, it's amazing how much of my life has just become much more productive and positive as a result of that. Oh, that's so awesome.
0: Well, now I got to ask you, are you going to be at 20 Books to 50K or 20 Books Vegas? There we go. This yep. year?
1: <clears throat> I will. Yeah. Craig has basically made me swear on a, on a, <laughs> on a stack of cat suits that I will actually be there.
0: Awesome. Uh, I'm going yeah, to be I there too. Him. So I'm going to be hunting you down. I got to say. Oh no, that.
1: yeah, that'd be great. I can't wait yeah. to meet you. I told him I can't come to Madrid and he got, he's like, he's like, well, you are coming to Vegas, right? Like you have to. And I'm like, of course, Craig. Well, I'll duh. be at, um, I'm going to be at, at um this year too. Cause it's happening in person this year.
0: Yeah. I so, saw that. I haven't decided if I'm going to be able to go to that one yet or not. I have to double check my calendar on that, but I did if, do the virtual one last year, obviously. So
1: if you're a romance author, it's the place to be. I think it's a place to be if you're any kind of author because the quality of the advice you get there. The, 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 the presenters that Alessandra gets are all top notch. So awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I highly recommend it.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, the presentations even just in the virtual format last year were great. So yeah. for
1: sure. I can't speak to what's going to happen this year, but the crazy thing was in 2019, there were 120 authors there. and There were four Amazon reps. Wow. 120 people. Like you got like basically the ability to speak, spend as much time talking to Amazon reps as you wanted.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. So, for people who are going to um, 20 bucks or InkersCon, do you have advice to be able to talk, like how to talk to those um, Amazon reps and like sort of questions that they should be asking?
1: Um, I guess one of the things to keep in mind is that the Amazon reps can't really give you a lot of answers because <laughs> they. <laughs>
0: Well, then having the, all that extra time not a whole lot of help with their mouth. Come on.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, like you don't don't expect them to like, like spill the beans, you know, on how Amazon does things. I'm sure that they co- they're they coached very carefully about what to say and what not to say. But I think it is worth knowing that they are listening. So when you're when you're telling them about your experiences and problems you're having, try not to be antagonistic, of course, because they'll discount you if you're being antagonistic. But if you can just be honest and say, like, this is something I struggle with, it chews up a lot of my time or just causes uncertainty. And well, they do listen. And I actually have seen things that I've talked to Amazon reps about where they say like, okay, it's good to hear that. We've been hearing that a lot. I've actually seen those changes show up in the platform in a positive way. So, so it is it is actually useful. And actually, I got to into some programs too, from talking directly to the reps and just sort of finding out what was available and what I could take advantage of and stuff like that. So it is it is definitely worth it to talk to them.
0: That's awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the, the 20 books to 50K um, situation works too. Like the I think day one is going to be, you know, talking with the different reps and, and different um, vendors. I guess thing, is what I
1: any conference you go to, if the draft to digital guys are there, befriend the draft to digital guys because you will get free drinks if you. Befriend them
0: <laughs> what like if that? you're not a drinker?
1: Um, they might buy you food. You never know. So hang out <laughs> with the draft it. to digital guys. <laughs> got it. I mean, or maybe you could get a milkshake if you don't want to drink. I don't know. Whatever you want. Like, they, like at, at Nink. Um,
0: kombucha <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go at nink they sponsor like one night usually at, at nink you they they buy everybody drinks for like the entire night for as long as it takes oh my gosh that's incredible. They basically drink on their dime for like five or six hours <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun <laughs>
0: they're like go advertise or something i don't know yeah. right now
1: <laughs> well i gotta tell you like whenever i think about like you know who do i want to use for wide distribution i'm like i'm going to use draft to digital because i love those guys you know
0: absolutely like, that's why i use <laughs>
1: And, and have nothing they but good feelings over towards them. to The
0: find away books that's so wonderful. It's lovely yep. for audiobooks as well.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and those are great guys to meet too. The find a way people are are great at conventions too. They're find the vendors. The vendors are are awesome to hang out with.
0: <laughs> good tip. I will keep yeah. that in mind. <laughs>
1: totally pro tip. You'll get a lot of free food if you hang out with the vendors.
0: That's awesome. This is the first time I've actually gone to 20 books in person. I've obviously been lingering around and watching for a long time. And then Mm -hmm. I think I was going to go in 2020. And then, of course, obviously COVID hit and it was like, well, that's not going to happen. And last year we hadn't, my youngest wasn't um, vaccinated. So they were like, that was not going to happen either. So it was like, this year.
1: This 20 books last year in, in 20, 2021 actually like sat in this nice spot while Delta was, winding, was wound down and Omicron hadn't shown up yet. So very few people, I mean, people did, but very few, few people got COVID, especially because once all of us authors started drinking, we didn't really mask nearly as much as we showed up. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. There were some people who were religious about their mask. They were like wearing hardcore masks and never took them off. But I'm like, eh. I'm speaking a lot and presenting. <laughs> and then I lost my mask. I'm like, whatever. You know?
0: hey, lost it. It's okay. It'll show up maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll find
1: a mask again later.
0: <laughs>
1: I should have done better. I recently went to a convention in Tennessee and then it bit me in the ass. I got Omicron from that. So
0: gotcha.
1: I, I, I've, I've learned my lesson, but now I'm like boosted and I've had COVID. So I feel like I'm like invulnerable now. I'm like built out of Teflon. It'll just slide right. my off.
0: You are you are definitely the uh shielded version of yourself yes. at this yeah. point.
1: Yeah, I'm going to superstars next week in Colorado. So I'm feeling that's pretty good nice. about that. So that's
0: awesome. Yeah. So what are what are you speaking? Are you speaking or are you just going?
1: I'm speaking, yeah. Um Great. I'm doing a three hour presentation on world building. Wow. Um, yeah, that's gonna be intense. And then I have two Facebook presentations plus a couple of panels that I'm on. So they get their money's worth out of me. they They're like <laughs> For sure. They're like, for, they're like, we're paying for you to get here. So you're gonna be <laughs> You're it. like,
0: I'm on my way. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, it's fun. Well, okay, Mal, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about what you do on either side, either your sci-fi or on your, like the, the advertising marketing side of things, how do they find you?
1: So the science fiction um, is at Aeon14, that's A-E-O-N 14.com. And if you like stories about like adventure with female leads um, and sometimes entirely female casts, I have some books where I don't think there's any men in them at all. Um, so it's, it's, I figured like, Hey, there's lots of books that didn't have women in them. It's time for some books that don't have any men in them. We, yeah. can, we can do, we can do it both ways. It's fine. So if you like that sort of thing and you love like a lot of action, really good world building, but the main focus being great characters, um, my books, I think are awesome. If you like that sort of thing. And, um, if you want to like see what my wife and I, Jill have, as far as like our, um, our consulting for authors, you can go to the writingwives.com, which is kind of cute, right? She came up That's with that. Great. That is um, a and we we teach Facebook advertising. We teach courses on blurbs, um, on launches. Uh, we do mentorships, and um, you can actually can just do consulting with us about just about anything. So that's great. Of, so things. is
0: there an application process that they need to fill out, or do they just send you an email through your website?
1: They, there are certain things people can sign, just sign right up for for certain consulting things, or they can they can fill out a form, and we can oftentimes do like a thirty minute free consult to find out if we're a good fit to work together on stuff. So
0: that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I even do crazy things like I design covers, but don't, you know, <laughs> I, I don't need more of that business. So no one asked me about that. I'm so full of cover design. Were you a graphic
0: right designer in another life too?
1: I well, I mean, I worked in in um interface design for websites and web applications for for years. So I got really good at at understanding design elements and how like how to build things out and whatnot. And I've always loved doing art um and whatnot. So I um I started doing covers for some people and now they won't stop asking me to do covers. So. <laughs>
0: and you I have like, eight I have to yet like and that. said mm, i don't really want to do covers
1: <laughs> but they're like here's a bunch of money i'm like damn it I <laughs>
0: spoke my language shoot <laughs> I that's my weakness money <laughs> right my <creepy laughs> <night>. oh. <laughs> it's all good it's all good i get it <laughs> Yeah. Well, Mal, thank you so much for being here today. I had a blast and I'm always opening this door if you ever want to come back onto the Author Revolution podcast because you're just amazing. I love everything that you do and everything you stand for. And I think you're a bright shining star out there. So thank you so much for being here.
1: You're too sweet. Thank you.
0: Isn't Mal awesome? I just love her sense of humor and natural laid back way about her. Whenever I've listened to her talks, whether they're about Facebook ads or if they're about how to keep your ideal readers like enjoying your books, I have always found myself enjoying her talk more than I expected. And don't get me wrong, I've always expected to enjoy the talk. But there are certain people who you just know they're going to say or do something that's unexpected or makes you laugh out loud, and Mal definitely has a way of doing that. I love it. So for those of you who'd like to find quick links to Mal and her wife Jill's website, The Writing Wives, I will make sure that it's in the show notes, as well as links to Mal's books and, of course, the actual transcript to today's show. So head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 119 to get the goods. As always, I hope you enjoyed this talk as much as I did. And I have to say, I'm super excited to be going to 20 Books Vegas this year so that I can meet some of these awesome podcast guests in person, including Mal. Obviously, I'm going to be chasing down any of the presentations that she is doing. It's going to be epic. Now, in the meantime, however, I am going to be writing my little heart out and I hope you are too. Go forth and start your author revolution.